So guys, I think after 30 years on this earth, in the Lord's 2021, I have failed to master freestyling, and I'm willing to admit it. Just now. Just now. I've come to terms. This is my coming Jesus moment. Hmm, that's interesting, because you've been not being able to freestyle or rap, any of that. No. It's not your forte. No, mm-mm. not your forte. I believe in the no, no. late 2009 era of Swoosh Night, I was freestyling and I lost it. You were delusional and you've just now realized it. How do you no, know? It, this is before I, you met me. Sir. No, it's not. Yes, it is. What are you talking about, Bungie? Freestyling was my thing. No. And then when I met Nay, I gave it up. Clearly. Oh, okay. So it's my fault. Clearly. <laughs> okay. Clearly. But I mean, is it is it highly like I feel like it's one of the things, either beatboxing, freestyling, was one of the things like, oh, black people, you know how to do this. What do you think? No? Albert, you gotta you gotta back me up here. <laughs> well, white people might say that for sure. Right? <laughs> they definitely might be like, yo, ask him. But uh yeah, you know, we got we have a little bit of swag. And um, picking it up isn't too hard. I don't know. It's just a spiritual thing, you know. I don't know. Just it's just not hitting me. Holy Ghost. It's just it's just missing. Oh, me. I've never heard you rhyme. So I bet if you tried, it missed him. Oh, <laughs> it missed him. Oh, it, it skipped that guy. Don't, oh, really? Don't encourage the nonsense. Don't encourage the nonsense. And I, pre- I believe I was waiting in line for it to be distributed. But and I they just, they thought about it as a whole and you you know what nah you got a wicked jump shot though right wicked jump shot there you go that's what it is hey i'm just saying when they was handing out the black stereotypes hey (laughs) they got a little bit extra of something else maybe that's it is that what you think man i don't i don't know sir there's a biggie smalls line either you sling a crack rock or you got a wicked jump shot See, and I can't sell drugs. I'm horrible at it. So maybe the jump shot is what it's where it's at. Swoosh night. Swoosh night. <laughs> the third splash brother. Hey. Oh wow. Adopted splash brother. Bring me in. Bring Too me in. much. Take me now, Jesus. <laughs> Man, let's start the show. It's your girl Vanessa Denae. And it's your boy, Swoosh Knight. And you're tuning into Love, Love Yours, the podcast. What's good, Vince Cousins? What's good? Hello, hello. Yeah, it's like an episode of the season. Season three. Three. Cute the Wayne. What? Uh, I don't know. I'm trying out some new phrases, you know. Yeah, that one was trash. Don't do that one again. Uh, that one was stolen. So, you know, I'm still trying to continue the streak of trying to get sued this year. Yeah, I'm going to need you to chill out or at least disclose that you will be the one getting sued because I'm not paying for it. We in this together. Psych. <laughs> Let them call me up to the stand. <laughs> you already know. I'm telling <laughs> So, if they're wondering who, who, who they should sue, uh, we are Love Yours, the podcast. And one half of us got some sense. Anyways, 
the podcast that promotes black mental health black mental wealth and black mental stability and they will forever be out of reach until you love yours yours so of course you know he's the boy swoosh and i it's your girl vanessa Dene. and we got a guest a guest the one the only albert jenkins here in the studio hello hello producer distributor of vinyls and knowledge father dj he does it all one man band <laughs> i wish <laughs> hey what's up everybody out there um my name's albert jenkins i produce music mainly like beats and uh, i also produce some bands on our label needle to the groove um i collect records i dj and spin i work pretty much every day at my record shop but um we have a little label, and um, so we put out a wide variety of music on uh, vinyl and tape, just kind of growing it, based out of out of the South Bay, residing in uh, San Jose. So just kicking back, taking it easy, man. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. That's what's up. That's what's up. So yeah, Neil to the Groove, as you say, it's a vinyl shop, and but also record you record music there as well. On top of that, yeah, yeah. So um, the first Needle to the Groove shop actually opened in Fremont in 2006. And I used to shop there a lot. The owner's hella cool and um, he's an old DJ. We became friends with each other and uh, trade. I used to trade a lot of records with him. And uh, long story short, somewhere in 2014, I was gonna sell off some records to him. And uh, we ended up coming up with this idea to open a shop in San Jose mm-hmm. and uh, kind of partnering up together, but uh, still owning our, our separate stores. Nice. The rest is history, so. Maybe 2017, we started the label side, um, throwing parties and shows, mm. bringing out like Dame Funk, Egyptian Lover, um, trying to bring you know music to the Bay Area, South Bay, black music too, especially. Sorry. But then um, you know just kind of try to fill the void of of the music scene here. So the label kind of added to the shop, if you know what I'm saying. Right there. So I mean, how do you uh, how do you start in the music? Well, to be to be honest, I, I started in the church, man. Just um, singing in church choir, school choir when I was a wee young boy. Just <laughs> so you like, got the vocals or? I used to. Okay. You know, okay. by the time I grew into a man and my vocal cords grew that Barry White in them, oh, you know, <laughs> I no longer possessed the ability to blow pre-puberty <laughs> oh, so you weren't little michael no I, I wasn't little michael anymore and um nah i don't know i think um to be honest uh the choir steez kind of burned me out and i was always a little bit more rebellious and uh <laughs> you know didn't want to conform to what the church and the schools were wanting us to sing i kind of found it to be kind of you know corny Right. So I was I was kind of you know growing my hair out at the time and uh, when I was younger that's how I got into music started mm-hmm. that way and then um, in high school I was really drawn to to, to vinyl and DJing and I, I started freestyling break dancing mm-hmm. and um, I bought a mixer at Radio Shack and um, I don't recall the the, the exact model but uh, I have it at at our shop downtown oh, okay. I have it still nice and. Um, it's a really old Radio Shack mixer, uh, four channels and everything. It has like a seven band EQ. And I started to take, you know, like 
just like regular stuff and try to remix it without mm-hmm. remixing it, but calling <laughs> it remixes. And I thought I was doing something cool, but um, really I was just like turning the bass up and you know <laughs> making <laughs> making a mixtape, you know. Yeah. And um, I when I went to college in Chicago, I just met some some people, some like-minded guys and uh, who were into black music and uh, sampling and sort of pulling, you know, flipping old old soul loops yeah. became sort of the thing. And uh, so that was kind of how I got, got introed into like being a musician, not just like going to concerts and stuff like that. Okay. So Kanye before the Kanye? <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Got you, got you. <laughs> All right. Well, when did you feel like, oh, this is a, like it hit a switch. Like it became more than just like a hobby. It was like, you know what? I want to really pursue this. Hmm. Um, that's a good question. It, it's, it's maybe a little blurry. Like I, I didn't have like a one moment where I was like, I'm going to pursue this. Mm-hmm. But um, maybe like my, the passion that I kind of took from gospel choir singing and stuff it just kind of rolled into what I was started to do musically. Yeah. And um, it was just something I was passionate about. So it was something I started just messing with every day, you know, yeah. looking, looking for more samples or, you know, writing rhymes. I was in a group in Chicago called Stowaways, me and my college roommate. He was the best mm-hmm. man in my wedding. And we did an album together and uh, we were both rapping and producing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not that great. It was it was just it was just where I was at the time, hey, you know. Hey. But uh we're still friends, we still text and um you know, we we definitely had some cool moments and we we you know, it, but that's like the beginning point. Yeah. I just started to meet within the Chicago scene more and more people that were either a part of another crew or they uh were a DJ at a radio station and I I was just able to make a lot of friends other artists, um, writers, graffiti writers, b-boys. I was breakdancing pretty heavily still then, so... You still doing it? I was really... Um, no. <laughs> I'm not, man. Um, I don't front. I definitely I definitely don't uprock and, and b-boy anymore. But, um, I mean, I was, I was definitely that circuit where yeah. Chicago was really good because you had the city funding community programs to allow the youth to come in after school and have a, a safe place. So I had a, a couple crews I was friends with and we would kind of rotate, mm. you know, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and we'd go South side or, or North side based on which community center was open. And um, it was really, it was really sick at the time in Chicago. You know, I don't know if y'all have any listeners out there in Chicago, but there was, there's a spot on the South side called the point mm. historic, historic spot. It's in the Hyde Park neighborhood, which is, you know, near University of Chicago. It's um, one of the best uh, black communities in the country. I was working at the Museum of Science and Industry, which is right across the street. And I'd go over after four o'clock and just hang and break. And we'd right. listen to raucous tapes and old hip hop tapes loud. And it was just a nice wooden floor. And I'd get schooled by the real break dancers, <laughs> you know, and. So shout out to some of those crews, all, all City Breakers, APB, Phase 2, Brickheads, Nacrobats. That was my uh, bachelor days. <laughs> <laughs> Before Hello you know, shut down. 
But uh, um, <laughs> chill out over there, sir. <laughs> I'm gonna need you to simmer down. You know, before you get that 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 sweet woman in your life or man, you know, um, that partner in your life, you know. You can just kind of after work just go roam around the streets for whatever till whenever every day. Yeah. That's what I was doing, <laughs> and um, making. I started making some home demo recordings, and I got a four track. I started buying gear. I had a cool job, so I was able to start, you know, like buying some keyboards and the right recording software. Mm-hmm. Bought my first microphone wasn't seven dollars either it was like it was like three four hundred you know but we thought we were doing something recording in a closet just making it work oh you had the egg cartons on the wall oh no she didn't dang she called us out jedi powers she saw it before she even saw it we had hella yellow egg crate foam I understand. My cousins did that, so that's why I've seen it. I'm like, oh y'all, oh y'all, really getting up out the mud out here, huh? Okay, we can't get no foam pieces. All right, bet. Yeah, nah. The acoustic paneling was was running a little too steep for my budget back then, but um, you know, to be honest, it was a really good time. I have a lot of memories, and as much as I was making music, I was still at a place where I was soaking it in. So. Low key, one of the things that really inspired me that at that time was the concerts I got to go to. Oh, so man. seeing like the Roots, House of Blues, De La Soul, oh. MF Doom, you know, Nas, Wu Tang, like seeing all these groups cir- time, circa ni- yeah ninety eight to two thousand three when they were still putting out good albums, yeah. and and the community was still behind it. And after the show, you might see them outside by backstage rapping in a doo wop circle, like freestyle. We call them cipher circles, right? Yeah. And you might see them cutting it up, chopping it up with just the fans. And uh, so that that time's kind of lost. But that was just a really creative and inspiring time for me in, in Chicago. What a time to be alive. Yeah. Really, you know, all it, a lot of it lives in my head now. But um, I have pictures and flyers. And uh, I've, it's, it's obviously inspired me even to this day. But Sounds dope, though. It feels the love. Hell yeah. But yeah, so here, gotten here today to uh, discuss black music that wasn't already given. (laughs) As we know, the history of music has deep roots within the black community. As historians believe it may have been invented in Africa and brought over during slavery. Over time, music experienced many changes from Negro spirituals to gospel, jazz and blues to R&B, and finally hip hop to mumble rap. Trash. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Albert's gonna help me out with this this last part. So, since then, historians have credited the Black community for rumba, salsa, I'm getting nods, samba, calypso, mm-hmm. soul, cumbia, funk, ska, mm-hmm. dub reggae, house, bluegrass, which. Elaborate on that because you you shared a good point with me. Yeah, about I, will, that. I will. Chopped and screwed, go go, ragtime, crunk, trap, Detroit techno, Jiquam, which we both don't understand what that is. I'm gonna have to look it up. Afro beats and of course rock and roll. Uh, probably and and drill right now. Drill's pretty hot. 
Yeah, the the newer ones are, are are really obvious, right? So everything post '80s hip hop is really obvious, but you have to go back. And you mentioned a lot of them, but um, I think the the big one that I think oftentimes gets overlooked, especially in America, is the transition from blues to rock. Okay, yes, that can't be overstated. How much the African American sort of chitlin circuit mm. um, touring acts were the opening acts for people like Jerry Lewis and Elvis Presley, okay? And these guys weren't doing their entertainer show until they saw Little Richard, okay? Facts. So, <laughs> so Facts. Um, l- let, me, let me try to be as concise and informative here as I can. So a lot of what I'm gonna talk, talk about right here is context, and that's the context we're here, we're here is American music, okay? So when you talk about black music, I'm going to I'm going to sort of differentiate the motherland, okay? And I'm going I'm going to sort of the the negro in America and and the black experience. Um because it's already obvious and implied that we came from Africa, right? So we already right? So the the lineage is this, right? Slaves were brought to not just North America, but also the West Indies and South America. So when you talk about rumba, zumba, uh, sambas, all the Brazilian stuff, that's African. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You know, African, when you talk about reggae, Cuban, the first time you heard Afro-Latin rhythms, which inspired all Latin music that we hear, it's Afro-Latin rhythms. All that stuff came via Africa, via Cuba and Brazil, right? So then it got dispersed and it got spread out through Haiti jamaica bahamas all through the islands there and then all through panama mexico brazil chile ecuador peru those those sort of african drumming rhythms and and specifically we're talking about polyrhythms okay so when you get into american music black music in america american music got really simple and it it really became um, a really simple backbeat what we hear in, in blues is is the most basic form of American music, which came from gospel, and it's just a two-step. Dun, 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 two, one, two, 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 right? Mm-hmm. But, but before I go to blues, you know, the first, the first American music, the first music ever recorded on this continent was Negro spirituals, mm-hmm. right? So... There was, there is no American music industry without that first. Without the backs of the blacks. Mm-hmm. Like the rest of everything. <laughs> yes. Everything. Now, we can save reparations for another article, and I'll go deep with y'all on that. But um, yes, the you know Negro spirituals were the first songs, and. Um, you know, the real uppity masters back in the day, they would oppose Negro singing, right? And then you had people, it started to become the progressive trend to allow Negroes to sing mm. and, and sort of this whole chain gang experience. It, was, it kept the Negroes happy. Mm. So then it was like, well, if they're happy, they're making more, they're, they're producing more. Yeah. So um, in, in base for all intensive purposes, you know, the worst possible life you could have, we were able to not only produce chitlins, right? We produced the American music industry, which is billions of dollars. Billions. Um, 
the Negro spirituals obviously became the black church um, and sort of all those early spirituals and gospel tunes transferred into white gospel songs as well. And, um, and then these songs, so now you're moving from sort of the mid eight, you know, 17, 1800s. Now you're getting into where instruments started to get used because African-Americans in Europe were left out of the music industry, right? Because we were slaves. We weren't, we couldn't afford to teach our kids uh, piano lessons, right? right. In, in Europe, it was catered to classical music. So you had to be wealthy. When slavery was abolished, a lot of African-Americans, um, obviously education was out. So one of the only ways that African-Americans could get ahead at this time was through the entertainment industry, right? And so people when i when i was growing up it was it was like this stereotype thing we were talking about before right it's like oh you black like oh you can go into sports and entertainment right come on man right but the reality was was at a time when slavery was abolished even if you was a house negro that could be educated you couldn't go get an education yeah the schools were segregated so the, the, really the only way the only option you really had in the South was if your master would allow you to stay and work for him. Mm-hmm. And that was a manipulative move by the South, mm-hmm. the South anti-abolitionists. It was, you know, oh, well, yeah, you could leave, but we all know what you're going to go do and who's going to hire you without an education. Where are you going to go? And where are you going to go? And don't your teeth need fixed? And you need, right? And they just, so I want to say American World War One era, U- United States, you know, Jack Johnson, you guys familiar with him, the boxer oh, yeah. mm-hmm. from uh, the late 18, 1890s, right? He, he became one of the biggest athletes in America because he could box and they hadn't allowed black men to box yet. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of controversy came and he became the first great white hype fight was against him, right? The musicians face the same thing, and um, around pre like pre prohibition, like right around World War One, there were a lot of initiatives trying to get you know Negroes educated, trying to get um, it just to just to social justice like mm-hmm. really was becoming a thing, and um, you know the Democratic Party finally became itself that it is today, and the Republican Party kind of became itself because it wasn't you know slavery was was different, so. A lot of African-Americans had to turn to performing in bars, performing in saloons, Mm -hmm. performing in venues, and you could only perform in a black bar or a black venue. So what happened is the, the good and talented Negroes were allowed to go and start performing in the white clubs, right? You'd see Sammy Davis Jr. on stage with Frank Sinatra. Right. You see Nina Simone and Duke Ellington and they start to share these prominent jazz stages in New York. Mm -hmm. But in the South, it was a completely different story. Um, So I think a lot of um, sort of the history is really rooted in I think black music really originated out of this sort of spiritual place of dealing with you know, to, to really, to loop in what we're even talking about, dealing with the mental health Mm. of being a slave, right? Dealing with the idea of, you know, being a slave, you know, our music came, that blood and sweat 
came from our backs and our brows. But the reality is, is, you know, that became a culture of how we found happiness in a place that we couldn't find a, a lot of happiness. So passing those songs down, mm-hmm. those handshakes, those dances, that sort of culture, the pride, the, the sort of the black pride started to become around to where by 1960s, James Brown, say it loud, I'm black and I'm proud, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, and it was, don't, don't be afraid of your color or race or that you can't go to that concert. Like, be proud of who you are, you know? So there's a huge shift of where it started and then how the American sort of music industry also formed in the 20th century and basically signed every talented black artist and, you know, built, you know, a crazy opulent industry mm-hmm. out of the music that sort of came from our generations of, of um, survival, you know. So I find it really interesting and it obviously ties into vinyl as well. Cause I go, I go back to like Duke Ellington and the twenties when vinyl was first getting made. But, mm-hmm. um, but in a nutshell, you know, um, from Negro spirituals to blues and sort of just, you had, um, lead belly and, um, blind lemon Jefferson and some of these old acoustic blues singers just string up a broom, literally put four strings on a broom and just teach themselves how to pluck a couple notes. But like the E pentatonic scale, which is blues, it's funk, it's it's all that. That right. came from that, that that came from the blues. That came from African Americans, you know. Jazz, you know, jazz added in the '40s and a guitar to their ensemble, and then when they added the guitar, within five years, that's when rock and roll became a thing, you know. <laughs> so we we are tied to sort of you know American music, and you know it's it's just really special how far we've taken it and obviously there's positives and negatives you know so exactly exactly so then building more off of that we are aware of how music has affected american lives specifically how do you guys feel like the black community has been affected by music man i mean there's a lot of positives yeah right i think the positives there's a lot of writing on the wall we've been able to, in a way, create an economy and our own business structure. We've been able to express ourselves through song and dance and through art, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, when you're struggling and when you're, you know, coming up in a society, expression's a big deal. And, um, you know, we want that voice. And I think even, even through, um, sort of the, the more like juvenile sounds of like blatant rock and and uh, mm-hmm. rap music, you know, it's still a form of expression. And as much as, you know, coons want to come at me and be like, NWA's bad, it's like, nah, man, you know, you're, you're on the wrong side of history with that, <laughs> that madness. You know, the, the right. reality is, is gangster rap is a product of our society. And these right. men have something to say. So why is their voice any less valid than anyone else mm-hmm. who's grown up in this country? It's the wrong way. You know, so I I think the financial impact, Mm. the expressive and creative impact, the social fitting in in society, you know, African-Americans in educational settings and and things like that, 
might not have might not have felt the same think think back right in the 1960s 70s who's your role in 60s right before segregation Mm -hmm. who was a young black man's role model did did he really have doctors and lawyers and politicians to look up to or has it been generations of jack johnson jackie joiner kersey Mm -hmm. you know um the nicholas brothers michael jordan just Sammy Davis Jr., Sam Cooke. We're looking to the the entertainers because we weren't given academic leaders mm. at a young age. I'm 40 years old. I've never seen a black dentist or a black doctor. Okay? And that, in a weird way, defines white privilege. You know? In a weird way... We're at a loss because we don't have those same options. I would love to see a black doctor. I literally went to my doc Kaiser and said, I want the doctor who's down with Black Lives Matter. Because I don't want to go to the doctor that has never <laughs> seen a black man before. I want to know if he knows the trends of, of my sort of diet and my culture and my race. Right. You mean you don't want to see... Um... Ben Carson. There you go. <laughs> Hell no. Man. Oh man, that coon got to go. Can we trade him and Candace Owens and a couple others in the in the draft? I'm just playing, guys. I'm playing. <laughs> yes. I'm not. I'm, I'm serious too. Um, <laughs> I'm serious too, but you know, I mean, I, I just think like. Those positive role models, you know, even though they, you know, they might not be the same sort of role models, Mm -hmm. but any role model, okay, any role model that we have, anytime I hear a white person talking bad about LeBron James, I want to smack them. I literally do. Uh, Barack Obama's another one. Like I had a, I had to draw lines with people because I literally had to look at people and go, "You don't understand. Mm -hmm. We don't have these options." day to day um sure we have black athletes not black athletes building schools <laughs> right or you know like everyone knows i'm not a lebron fan when it comes to basketball like i just he bothers me but off the court i've said it time and time again that's a good dude you don't have that many black athletes where there hasn't been any freaking situations that have come up outside of you know basketball like oh seen out with so many different women or like he loves his wife openly and proud as opposed to other people who are hiding their wives you don't know what their kids you don't you don't hear nothing about their kids like he's in his kids lives and stuff like that so yeah like when people talk bad i'm like come on man yes he cries on the court it irritates me however yeah it's still a good dude like i think that's really really important so you know (laughs) Everything about him is these people always go back to how he announced he was going to Miami the first time. So, and and he does flop. I feel you. I feel the 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 crying on the court and to the refs. But all right, I don't know, but some people right. in sports, y'all, I don't, man, y'all take it to another level. Like you act like this boy is like paying your rent or something. Like all these decisions go in, and you need to talk shit about him. Like I don't understand. Well. That's a, that's for another episode about how people how fans take or like take to heart. Yeah, <laughs> bro. 
too invested. Too invested. I was, I was, I've been a Miami fan. I've been a, been a Miami fan. Real fans of his were just like, all right, so I'm about to get this Miami jersey. And then, like, yeah, and I know a bunch of them. And I'm just like, I mean. <laughs> yeah, I, I, just, no, I respect that. You know, I'm, I'm, I think, like, historically, you know, looking at the positives coming out of African-American music, I think it is tied a lot to also sports. Because, mm-hmm. again, I just feel like at a time when we couldn't chase academic um, progression mm-hmm. when we were segregated for a hundred years, <laughs> right? This country of justice and peace said, Hey, uh, we're not going to educate you if you're not white for a hundred years. And that's not talked about enough. So what happened is we, we, you know, turned inward and yeah. we, we challenged ourselves and we, we, um, sort of perfected and dominated those non academic sectors and we already had dominated the labor sector right slaves Mm -hmm. so so then it's um entertainment and maybe you know this hey we're on a podcast y'all can delete this if you want but maybe at the time you know white folks was too uppity to get on a stage and entertain each other you know but whatever that is whatever that is we took the mic and delivered and I think that that generational talent, mm-hmm. you know, that sister who's now in 2020 performing on The Voice and she's an elite gospel singer, you know, clearly better than every other singer there. The only reason she's not winning The Voice now is because they're looking for pop stars. But we get up there mm-hmm. and we represent and the and talent up. is there, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I get I get really passionate about the fact that, you know, we've we've made something out of that so i i think the expression the art expression the financial sort of infrastructure that's been built and then also you know just role models Mm -hmm. and the idea of i never met my father right and um we we talk on the phone and things but um black men we see getting shoot locked up and this and that so and this is now where it should be getting better. So how bad was it a hundred years ago, 70 years ago when there was no social media and body cams and, um, tattletaling going on as there is today. Now it's, we see it. And, um, the, the, the value of having a LeBron or a Barack Obama or Steph Curry, you know, the, these black men who are leaders, I think is huge. Jay Rue holiday donated his whole salary this season to black owned businesses. This is huge. <laughs> I mean, this is huge. So Ky- Kyrie Irving, I mean, he gets on my nerves too, but he's done some, gr- <laughs> he's done some, some great, right? he's made some great gestures. That guy's been making some no. good moves lately. I will say that, so right? Crazy. Yeah, I'm just like, okay, and, Kyrie. And if we were to really still get be deep, weird, but if we right, really Kyrie. got deep and we <laughs> talked about what happened in, in after George Floyd, Okay, what happened after George Floyd is the NBA went on strike and said, we're not going to play until this police situation get handled. And when the NBA worked out a deal to get the players to come back to turn their arenas into polling places, Mm. which in 2020, Donald Trump got 70 million votes. And for all intensive purposes, we'll never know this for sure. But I got to say, the NBA team allowing, especially in Georgia, the Atlanta Hawks, 
the Atlanta Falcons turning those stadiums into polling places. I mean, this is crucial. I mean, our country could have went in a different direction just off what the NBA did. I'm not saying it's the facts or truth. I'm just saying it's, it, it it's, happened. It begs a question. It begs, it the, begs a question, and mm-hmm. we saw things happen that we've never seen, like Georgia Georgia glowing, going blue, Arizona turning, you know, just things that or historically didn't happen. And, and I got to think maybe some of that hype um, was helped out through these black men in the NBA. Mm. Um, bring up, bring up some solid point. I'm, we don't have to come back to black role models because I feel like we've been in that. But but nay, I'm I'm curious about you. What you what do you think music's effect on the black community? Um, I think music's effects has its pros and cons. Unfortunately, I feel like most people look at the cons as opposed to the pros. Um, and like Albert was saying, you know, music in the black community is vital because it is our way of expression. So like he was saying, people want to say like, oh, NWA is trash or, you know, they're talking about gangster rap and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 what they know. They used their voice and the platform that they had at the time to talk about what they're seeing. Not only that, but they flipped it a little bit. You know, they, ha- they put out a song called Fuck the Police. And at that time... <laughs> When nobody's saying that it, it not recording it you know what i mean like so to have the goal to record that and put it out you know that brings some some sort of awareness and i think people you know we've kind of gone away from the power that our music has i'm gonna name a couple songs just to get you guys to to think about like the influence that our music has had so we have billy holiday with strange fruit that woman was banned from several places. They took it off the air. They wouldn't let her perform it. They had police waiting for her to start singing that song so they can arrest her. And if y'all don't know what Strange Fruit is about, it's about lynching. Didn't Kanye and bringing awareness that? to that. Um, we have, like I said, Blood on Leaves? Which song? Um, Strange Fruit? I think uh, no, so. on which uh, Kanye Blood on song? Leaves. Maybe, yeah. Strange Fruit? He might have. Nah, it's uh, like three albums back. Is that a newer Kanye song? Yeah. Ah, fuck. Um, the one. Wait, what album is that though? Bound, like bounds on it. Okay. Well. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't wrong with Kanye. But no, that's a pa- but that's a Billie Holiday joint. <laughs> so a powerful that's why song, I don't know. Uh, it really is. It really is. And people like, honestly, a lot of people don't even know what that song's really about. Which is crazy. Um, then you have you have Marvin Gaye with like Troubled Man or What's Going On. You have uh, Public Enemy with Fight the Power. Like these were our ways of bringing attention to the shit that we see on a daily basis. So as much as people want to be like, oh, you know, well, they're talking about guns and violence. Well, yeah. shit, we're seeing guns and violence. And if I if I don't say it. If that's apparently the only way you guys get the only way I can get your attention. So if I don't say it on this track, it's true. I think a lot of the guns and violence um, also has come through when N- NWA came out. You know, I was young. I remember um, that song coming out, and I remember them getting banned from being carried in like Walmart and Best Buy in their CD stores, and it cost them money. Like 
the police mm-hmm. wouldn't mm-hmm. Um, offer security at their shows and they had to cancel a whole tour. I think the the Com- Compton's Most Wanted actually even it covers some of it. It's a little bit yeah. not exact like it's made for the for the big screen. They tried so hard to black bull these men that they are NWA is the reason why you have uh, parental advisories. Yes, Tupac as well. Music. Tupac as well. Yes, he, they were all in the same boat. But you know, I think my point is going off of what you said. That negative light. Okay, I think the two major things that that make the negative sort of that shine that negative light on what black music is, mm-hmm. um, and only kind of highlight the dark dark side of it. One is corporate America. Corporate corporate America saw that the guns and violence is going to sell more records. So at a time when, you know, a lot of African-Americans, especially families and, and people wanted to say, hey, this isn't what all rap music is. Right. There's Tribe Called Quest. There's De La Soul, LL Cool J. Um, it's not all gangster rap. Right. And you had a lot of African-Americans just. NWA was just another group. It wasn't like they represented all rap, but exactly the industry ate up the selling power of what this false sort of glamorized um, black man does for record sales. Mm-hmm. And uh, they saw that it's going to increase their pocketbook. So they, they popularized it more there. And then also I think another big thing on why it's, like black music just gets shat on is is just racism just straight up man it's just straight up you know people that aren't gonna they're not going to relate to african americans anyway and so they're just throwing more of their racism into the connotation of and stereotypes that are already attached to like rap yeah uh, well I think I think there's a good piece of racism in there. I feel like there's also like a good, good strong amount of like just not understanding, just ignorance. full out ignorance. Yeah, for sure. And that's what we see with like black movies, especially when we talk about like American Skin and just how just horrible reviews. But then if they had known the subject, if they had known the experience, they would see the whole movie in a different light. And that's cool. why a whole bunch of other black movies that deal with similar topics that aren't slavery movies get bashed because mm. like how dare you speak about you know the stuff that we're not trying to speak about reveal station like you know we don't we don't talk about that mm-hmm. you know, so. it's true i think i think um you know when when it's an after school movie they try to give you the better review yeah, yeah and then you just try to make some art and be like oh well this doesn't even matter <laughs> they just try to be dismissive like, on it. Authenticity. No, no, no. It doesn't matter here. Right. No, no. That's a good point, too. I agree with that, man. Like, for me, I feel like, I think black music has brought two things on top of, like, your, like having a financial business. I didn't even think about that. Or black role models. Or Nays, like, narrative of being able to speak up. And this is our story and telling it. But it also brings up just, like, the social justice piece that they alluded to or just even before that like sam cook and everybody else just like given that as a as a maybe like a vessel of like let's play this music this makes me more amped to like get out in the streets march act, you know be active okay like a call to action exactly yeah i like that a siren to it all and the other thing is like i just feel like it's like a excellent 
I don't know if whether it's like a time capsule or however you want to put it, it's just like culture, yeah. like black culture Nostalgia. of like listening to it. Like, okay, this is, oh, this is what they were wearing at this time when this music was coming out. You know, this is how like we got sagging and all that. Like just the <laughs> image of everything of just like, you know, going back, like even just listening to like, well, you know, I'm, I'm the young one. So like, hey, 90s R&B hip hop, like, dang, I remember coming to this or that boom nah, he said yep. dang i remember <laughs> i remember shut back up back in the day back in the days <laughs> it takes me back or just the whatever culture it came with whether it was the the soldier boy dance yeah. or whether it was like you know b-boy that came with it because they're hand in hand or there's the clothes it's the the look that you know how would you deal with your hair yeah the culture yeah no I you're mean, right I think uh, and one word that was coming to my head, what when Nate was was speaking, and then you too, and it kind of goes with what you're saying. It's cultural pride. Yeah, it's pride. You pride. know, it, it gave us at a time we were stripped away from our own language and our own community mm-hmm. and brought here, and then trying to make something out of nothing, mm. and music became a sense of pride of we know this song we know how to sing it we got a way of singing it we can say all the words in it and right, you can't right <laughs> not you that that came <laughs> later but i i know it yeah, um, yeah. i think the, the yeah. pride is huge you know sam cook sam cook uh right around a little bit after strange fruit right he was a gospel singer mm-hmm. and he went on the chitlin circuit and he went down south and he didn't like that there were segregated venues. Mm -hmm. And when he got his solo career, he said he turned down all the venues that were segregated. He said, I'm not going to play any segregated venues. I'll only play it if there's Negroes and whites in the, in the, in the mix. I'm not playing for all whites. Literally. He's the first soul man to pick out his fro and let his hair go natural. When all these brothers, platters, drifters Mm -hmm. from James Brown to little Richard to Ike Turner, everyone was just perming their hair up looking like, you know, they had a a white man's perm on, you know, or we call it relaxing, you know, relaxing your hair. Right. And, um, he kind of went against the grain and, and kind of had pride. Mm -hmm. And there's a documentary, a, a, a really cool documentary on Netflix about Sam Cooke and, uh, Smokey Robinson mm. actually credits him with being the oh, first. I love Smokey Robinson. <laughs> Me too. Um, He's a great guy. And that voice. Is that the second death of Sam Cooke? Was it that the two deaths of Sam Cooke is really good, but he, yeah. Smokey credits Sam as being the first natural Afro, mm. um, like uh, entertainer in America. And um, you know that pride was birthed through the fire and the pain, mm-hmm. and then when we develop skills athletic musical and these musical skills whether it be singing or playing instruments whatever yeah we already had what's missing from so many other styles of music is coming from that negro spiritual that spiritual connection is we had the feel the feel that accented timing on the drum that polyrhythm that those extra runs and fills that go into making a melody and it just Mm. not being so generic and bland, you know, it just happened. And, and I wasn't there for all of it, you know? And so these are just my kind of looking back and how I piece it together, but it's, it's so interesting and it's so relevant to who I am as a person now and like selling records and, Mm -hmm. and making music. But you know, the feel of the music to me 
is so much about what black music is and the black experience. Mm. You just can't teach soul, you know, whether it's dancing, you know, one person's going to just be stiff, you know, <laughs> clapping and another, you know, I, and you I just, beat. some people can't, just can't, Kester. it's all, it's just, you know, whether it's dancing, moving, talking, singing, rapping, you know, it's just having a feel for it. And, um, you know, being able to connect with people through that feeling. Exactly. And um, a lot of the pride and some of these positives come from that, you know. Uh, yeah, because I mean, not knowing or being in a place in your life where you don't know how you really feel and you can't express it, but then you find that song that's like, it just, everything that you need and it hits that There's special There's literally feeling. a song for everything. Literally. There is. Man, you name it. Like busting you when you need to bust windows open, when you need to, you know, when you should have cheated, sis. All of them, <laughs> man. When you in the shower and then you just, you just need to sit there for a little bit. Yeah, music makes know? makes living a little bit more like sublime, you know. Right. It just adds uh, a layer, and whether you're at a party mm-hmm. or. I mean, there's just no party without music, right? Right. I mean, every positive sort of group gathering that we go to, whether it's graduation or a sporting event or a mm-hmm. concert or a, every everything is going to have music. Like you have to. You have to. That's it's literally I mean. it's the part. The people will literally go, "Why did DJ stop? Is the party over?" I mean, like like Facts. the movies. Like you have to have that like background sound or music, or else like the movie kind of just falls flat, or you can't give it the right like intensity intensity that you need mm-hmm. so like just how essential music or sound is it's just mm-hmm. it's beyond mm-hmm. <laughs> like you can't like you can't downplay it yeah but i mean it's definitely true for me so you talked about you know just just talent and rhythm that you that you know black people have not to say that pe- that black people are more uh, musically inclined than others, we are. But <laughs> hey, how that pride. would you say that that's something that we, as black people, kind of should continue to like tap in with or be connected to, whether it be like artistic ventures or just like maybe even like hobbies or because of how, like, just the ability to recharge ourselves mm. with it. Well, you know. Adult artists oftentimes, you know, either faced adversity or trauma as a kid. Mm. And a lot of people that face some of those hardships, you know, they, I don't know why, you know, maybe, you know, you guys have a little bit more knowledge in that area, but, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just, um, their expressive abilities become more important to them. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you know, I find that, um, you know, why is it? That's a good question. Why is it that, Mm -hmm. you know, we can sing and dance so well? You know what I'm saying? Like, is Mm -hmm. it, is it really a black thing? Right. And, and I, I, I think like with most things in, in bio, in, in biology, I think it's a little bit of both, Mm -hmm. you know, like it's genes and our, 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 our environment, you know, but when I look at our environment again, being mixed, I've hung around with white folks and black folks my whole life. Mm -hmm. 
and there's a different spirit energy in parents oh yeah in in adults okay Mm -hmm. in black adults and white adults and you know i'm not trying to keep talking too much on stuff like this to try to offend nobody but all i'm saying is that i think that i think that like like black children like myself you know the culture that we're exposed to earlier is is finger tapping moving your feet you know um maybe dribbling a basketball Mm -hmm. and maybe some of the things that you know we excel in later in life we're exposed to Mm -hmm. just like maybe like privileged um academic sort of non-african-american other folk you know just might be like oh i'm gonna be a concert pianist one day well this dude had piano lessons since he was five (laughs) right um Whereas my mom couldn't afford piano lessons and guitar lessons, so I had to just teach myself. So I had to pick up things, but also develop and cling to the feeling of it, Mm. not the technical side, not can I technically finger all these chords and do all these notes. Mm -hmm. And the same thing would be true with dancing and this and that. If what I find is, you know, maybe an African, African American family doesn't just be like, Oh, we're going to go put her in dance class and she's learning ballet. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm going to teach you how to dance girl. You need to know how to do a two step. You need to know how to do the slide. Yep. You need to know how to do your shoulders with it. And it becomes more like family heritage. Like you're mm, passing, passing down, down. legacy. Like, yeah. Like, like cooking, um, singing arts, talents. And they so got the, they got the cooking. You know, so, you know, mm-hmm. white folks ain't going to season yep. that chicken right, bro. It's just going to be too bland. I mean, come on, Sally. What's up with the seasoned salt? <laughs> you don't even need You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, I put water. She's, she's, um, oh, no. I'm sorry. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, no, there's a really funny, I was talking about him. there's a really funny meme I saw around Christmas where, you know, the, the, the brother dating has a, the white girl as his, his girlfriend and he's at the family reunion. Yeah. And uh, the memes just, um, you know, why'd you have to give her seasoned salt for Christmas? You know, the, the family gave his white girlfriend a box of seasoned salt Lowry's, you know, for Christmas. And then she got all busted up thinking it was uh, implying that she doesn't cook right. And so, the, the you know, the young man's coming into the room like, well, you got to give Laura the seasoned salt, you know. And But, um, yeah. I it was I, something like, man, I can't eat nothing here. <laughs> So I, I, I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't know if anyone's got the answer to why. Yeah. And, um, but, um, you know, I, I, I I think it's in our DNA, man. DNA. I really like, honestly, when he was talking, I was just thinking back and growing up, going to church and stuff. We, you know, you got the, the, the band, the musicians. And I really started thinking and I'm like, I can't name another like race that has so many people that are not um, technically taught on instruments that just know how to play instruments because they've heard it. And I, so many people 
played at my church that never took a drum lessons in their life, but is cutting it up. Our, our pianist, she couldn't, she had, she didn't learn how to read music until she was in her forties because she played everything by ear. This woman had, woman had CDs and everything. I never knew she couldn't read music. Yeah. Everything was by ear. Just listen to it. Cool. Got it. Play it out. Yeah. That's talent, man. You know, and you just perfect pitch and playing by ear. It can't be taught. It just can't. Exactly. It cannot be taught. So there, there's, there's a good, I feel, I feel, you know, you just can't say, you know, if it, it, it ha- I want to be like, yo, it has to be in the DNA too, you know, because there's just some things like this you just can't explain. Yeah. But I, I, I think that, um, uh, yeah, I, I I cannot say I disagree with what Nay's saying. I'm I'm trying yeah. to be objective here, <laughs> yeah. so I'm I'm trying I'm trying to trying? also say uh, that trying. people are learning and exposure, but I I, I do lean a, a little bit more a little bit more. But you know I do lean towards sort sort of like it's unexplainable and it's in mm. it's in the genes and yeah because we just pick it up so naturally i think that's and even you go to like think about this right if i if we go back to the sort of afro latin rhythms right Mm -hmm. those rhythms came before like you go go to africa right there's not sheet music right it's it it wasn't it wasn't like that it was a drum circle and we're doing tribal dances with the fire to our god or Mm -hmm. whatever right and we're um we're singing and they were just doing old um spiritual tribal sort of music and rhythms um and dancing and, and right. eating to them back in the day so that wasn't taught um that came from africa <laughs> these are facts <laughs> these are facts and those polyrhythms inspired every genre of music almost in the world to where american music you travel all over the world i've been to germany norway right and you go to a mall or an airport there they're playing 50 cent on the radio you know, they're playing our music. I'm telling you, I'm, yeah. I was so sh- culture shocked. Uh, yeah, I'm in the mall in Berlin and I'm walking around all these spots and every Berlin, every Berlin. every major place that I walk in is playing basically what would be on our radio station, KMEL or Live 105 right now. Or, you know, it was this no. was like 2010, so I'm Mac Dre, but you know, it wasn't, uh, <laughs> wasn't Mac Dre. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's, they're playing American music top 40, black or white. They're playing it, yeah. and that's gone global. Yeah, because I mean, with all that said, I can I can definitely agree with both of you guys. It could be you know, it's just in the family that you know, black people are more like they can pick up a beat or experiential of just they they put in more time. Man, I just seen a video of a two-year-old that he's like uh, well he's of african descent his mother's i believe she's nigerian mm-hmm. but this two-year-old is just banging on you know household appliancing appliances banging out beats like drumming putting in his footwork with mm-hmm. it and everything and people in the comments i won't say what nationality or what race they were um are just like oh like is he autistic like and his mom like went bad on someone like no my son isn't autistic he's just musically gifted like what are you talking about and people people don't understand it 
It's crazy to me. This is another piece of it is just like be parenting of like what you allow your your kids to invest in, whether it is sports, whether it is like music, whether it is just listening to like just hey, let's listen to Nina Simone, like because I the only the only way I've known about like as many Whitney Houston songs as it was riding in the car with my aunt. Like <laughs> Whitney I, was great, man. I got a soft man. spot for Whitney, bro. <laughs> yes. So I mean, that's that stuff. I mean, piece. for me, if you ask me what that kind of music that was, I'd be like, yo, that's my auntie music. Like, right. And so you have all these people of the community bringing this music in. I mean, there is a, a. I would say there's a piece that you could say that, like, if we're talking about like the arts and expression of emotions and and just being able to tap into that like deep pain. That, that express in the songs and that you catch on recordings is maybe like, yeah, trauma does or would have that somewhat effect that kind of ties you into your emotions or whether that's psychological or emotional reactivity of just being able to know your experiences and feelings at a deeper depth than not too many people who have an experience adversely. Okay, now you're going now. What you just said right there, you need to quote that one. Oh, man. So, I mean, <laughs> that was, was good, bro. Because, I mean, not, not too many people are digging that deep. Yeah. No, I, th- I think you're, you're really hitting the nail on the head. And, you know, pe- people, people today, it, a lot of this sort of discussion just doesn't happen, mm-hmm. you know? And um, it's, it's, it's just, oh, it's music and it's just what's on. Or, um, oh, it's black music and I either like it or I don't. But, um, there, there's there's pride there's there's some innate um abilities i think that you know maybe just the way we were we were made mm-hmm. but i i think that you know when you combine it and you have that pride and you execute it you um what we have in american culture mm-hmm. is a thriving <clears throat> thriving world of black music so there's there's obviously certainly many um lanes that it's been inspired from Mm -hmm. and came from you know um so i mean at this point you know we we dabbled with mental health i think early we had discussed like you know gospel spirituals had given given people hope but on top of that now where do you feel like music serves mental health for black people currently um i'll say we're entering a different age as far as discussing mental health um we've said it many a times on our show where you know mental health is not really talked about in the black community it's not one of those things um it's almost like a taboo saying like oh you know i'm going to therapy or or things like that i think although i'm not a fan of this new like mumble rap nonsense and the you know the the new kids that are out um i feel like they have done their their job as far as bringing awareness to the idea that hey black people are going through things too and we do need those services like mental health does affect us you know we're not it's not something that we just you know prey on all the time um so i i will give credit where credit's due to uh what was what was that kid's name? Like X X Extension, whatever <laughs> his name was. Whatever. Uzi. I 
Uzi, uh, you know, World. you got Juice World, mm-hmm. things of that nature. They brought a lot of awareness to, you know, kids battling depression and things like that. And although, like, some of the songs I can't really rock with, I'm just like, you know, at least they are speaking about it. Because for a while we were stuck in this age where it's like, you know, don't don't talk about things like that, especially for black men to be able to vocalize some of those things. Mm-hmm. I think um, it is definitely helping us out in that area. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I agree with all, all of that. And um, before before the mics were on, we were kind of talking about, uh, um, man, we, we, we kind of touched on this like mm-hmm. like right before, right? And I think um, a lot of times, I think African-Americans in mental health, there's a huge disconnect because... Um, like when I grew up, I was born 1980. So you, you just in the Midwest, you know, you kind of just had to project sort of a strong persona mm-hmm. as, you know, just a darker skinned person walking around a world full of white people. Um, and uh, we, you know, I had a good population of African Americans in school. And so that was cool. And um, it, I had a, a good diverse like upbringing black and white, but still always outnumbered outside of like just a household or something like that. And so, you know, music I think was almost an afterthought in terms of, of mental health. Like I think these, some of it's like newer. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think, um, some of the artists being able to talk about it, I think, um, some of the results that what we've seen, happen in the music industry um not just racism there's a lot of toxic masculinity um there's just things that just went sort of not unnoticed but unaddressed Mm -hmm. and they've been affecting black women um, black men Um, now there's um you know a lot of things affecting like black trans folks um in sort of the entertainment world I almost feel like the music industry's best effect is just giving African Americans pride and um, that cultural pride to help relieve some of the mental stresses. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, you have, I mean, in therapy, I'm sure you, you know more about this than I do, Swoosh. Like just having, letting people talk has got to be huge, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, rap is someone talking a whole lot (laughs) you know i mean it's like hey this has the most words of any album on here i'm gonna hear this guy talk about four thousand words you know so we're really you know we're giving a mic and a platform and saying hey express yourself Mm -hmm. i think there's the opportunity you know for a lot to be learned but it's just from years and years of segregation Mm -hmm. and African American. Okay, I mentioned that I didn't. Tr- I didn't. Uh, I hadn't ever been to an African American doctor, right? Right. Well, it didn't bother me growing up because I wasn't really ever sick. You know, mm-hmm. I'm kind of healthy. Played sports. Well, now I'm pushing forty. I tore my Achilles. I had some some gut issues. I had to go because I love soul food. Right. You know, so. But now I'm going, man, I kind of want to talk to someone who's familiar with black men. <laughs> right. But when I was younger, it didn't really, I, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. Mm-hmm. I didn't really, it wasn't at the front of my mind, you know. 
So I think some of these issues are very new. Yeah. And it's it's very progressive to think. And a lot of people's parents are it there's there's you know generational gap of black mental health get out of here boy you just read a bible or go you know groom or or, or just it. yeah go give it to god go get them dishes washed and you'll feel better you yeah, know it's like yeah give dishes. it to god that nonsense <laughs> is is plaguing the african-american community um i do not denounce any faith but you know I think that there are a lot of things that African-Americans can do for themselves that faith is not able to do. And I, and I, I, I want our youth and our community to be able to take responsibility for themselves and not just leave everything to the powers that be. Mm-hmm. Especially when it comes to health. Yeah. Man. Especially. Who's, who's, <laughs> who is helping the man who thinks that the government representative of the police will just shoot you for any reason. I mean, I think that alone is what deserves a lot of sort of attention. And it's the mental health community is I lived on earth for 30 years and didn't really face getting shot by police as my imminent threat. I thought I might get arrested I thought I might get illegally searched mm-hmm. or I might get pl- some drugs planted on me or I might get illegally arrested or not getting my rights read or maybe excessive force like Rodney King, mm-hmm. but just getting popped for a mistaken taser or choked out over a Lucy or just some of this nonsense. I mean, now I I'm mean, going even think about like that shift of like, yeah, it was getting beat yeah. and then, oh, nope. Now yeah. when no now now we're just, now we're just well, like, well, just, the the point is the killing it didn't it didn't just start the yeah. shift the right. shift it's, is social media started recording exactly. it all exactly so now exactly. it's now, now it's I see it and I go oh, oh I don't need to be afraid of getting illegally arrested or searched I'm afraid of getting shot and killed and basically the white community not giving a fuck a fuck and America kind of not giving a fuck except for, you know, those who want to make a stand. And mm. that shift happened in my thirties. And at the same time, say when Obama's becoming president. So, and then the whole, the, you know, racism got pushed to the forefront, mm. you know, music, music should ease. Mm-hmm the mental health, you know, music is meditative, it's relaxing, it's soothing, it's nostalgic, it brings back those positive memories. Mm-hmm. How many times, probably your aunt, right? When, um, didn't we all, when that comes on, man, man she just turns, she might be mad as hell, and then that comes on <laughs> the radio, she might turn and just flip a switch and be like, right? <laughs> it's just that feeling, you can't equate it to man. anything. And it'll take you, like, it's so nostalgic, it'll take you back there. Like, right there. I imagine it, and I'm like, I'm in the, the white car and we just ride in. Why is it gotta be white? I'm like, damn, we we here, and then the song's over. I'm pop back, and it's mm-hmm. like, I think that's one of the biggest thing for me is like I consistently talk to my kids about, you know, you have conscious activities and you have dissociative activities, mm-hmm. activities that you just everything fades away. You escape. Like we don't need drugs. Like you have video games, but like music is a soul totally different escape of just 
the room melts away, the background. If you can meditate and actually like just dive into the lyrics, not many people are into lyrics, but if you dive in, then the beat comes in. Like, oh, what kind of is that? Is that 808? Oh, wait, no, that's drums. That's actual. So I'm guessing that's also where like vinyls come into the mix because that's a whole nother audio experience. Mm-hmm. And so you just escape. Escape from reality, escape from like, you know, racism, escape from microaggressions. And just like live in that moment mm-hmm. of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I feel like that's where a lot of African Americans that we look for or we desire those activities where we can just, can we just not today? Can we just not ask me the difference of how come my hair is different today? Can we? Oh, my Lord. Can we <laughs> not <laughs> touch your hair? Can, can we not Bro, ask Bro, I wore a head wrap today in. <laughs> Someone was like, "Oh, what's that on your head?" I was not, like, "Not today." <laughs> oh, not today. Y'all want me to quit right now? I'll knock all this stuff over. <laughs> <laughs> or, but why? Why can't I say it? I mean, she right. let me say it, so I, therefore I should be allowed to. Can I? Can we not today? Not today. Say it if you want to. See what happens. I put these headphones in. <laughs> not today. And that's even. That's even, you know, like the lightweight stuff, you know, like that just, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like the, the, like where, where they will, I guess they don't want to, it's not like blatant and it's not like, it's like what they feel like they're trying to talk you into socially accepting their ignorance. And it's like, how are, how are you flipping this right now, bro? Like, Jedi mind th- this tricks? isn't, like, you're not the victim because you can't say this. Oh, right? <laughs> you know, like, oh, so I got to watch, you know, and it, and it becomes sort of that reverse victimization. And, um, oh, oh like reverse racism? Oh, Jesus. The, the whole, oh, I cannot. Um, well, what's wrong with black? That's what they are. Like, come on, man. Colored, black, these aren't words. You know, it's it's how you say it and stuff. You know, you can say people of color. Who, you, who you're saying it to? Because some people are like, nah, you can't call me black. I, I can say black. You can't say you black. Can't. I was depends. in college freshman year, and I kid you not, okay? And I'm not going to put, I'm not, I don't, I don't talk about this a lot, but I'm going to tell you, two sophomores at my college came at me with a paper towel stick wrapped with duct tape mm. and we were hanging and I thought they were cool we played intramural football yeah and they're kind of joking laughing and I'm about to leave and one of them comes up and taps me on the leg with this this duct tape thing and I'm like and then they start kind of chuckling to themselves and he wasn't trying to swing at me or anything so it wasn't it didn't hurt yeah and I was just like what what's so funny about that yeah. you know and then he shows me it and it says Negro beater on it is is what it said, and it and it and it didn't say Negro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. Right. Um. So, you know, I I've I've seen a lot of of blatant. I've seen guns drawn. I've seen teachers' domes split open over Confederate flag fights in class. You know, I I've seen like gangbangers and cowboys like just right next to each other like ready to take it out you know like that's a story i have a white mother <laughs> with with uh 10 10 kids in her family i've left family reunions you know um and never gone back 
because of the N-word. So there's a lot of things that shape, you know, older African-Americans maybe who have just been around a lot of, you know, non-progressive white folks, Mm -hmm. people that are just owning their whiteness and don't think that they're racist. So that, you know, I, I kind of have tears to some of the, some of the trauma that I've seen or faced, um, is really hard. You know, it's hard to talk about even. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of, you know, these conversations when I get to college and it's like, so is it going to bug you if I quote Jay-Z when he says, you know, uh, Hova, my, you know, and I'm like, Quote. Yeah, bro, you can't, that's not, if if we're going to kick it, the reality is, is you got to know what not to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hate, like me and my homies, like anyone I'm around is going to get highly offended and beat your ass. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I might look at you and be like, hey, uh, peace, I don't want to see you anymore. Like, fuck you. Yeah. But like my homies friends that I'm with like I can't speak bro I'm not gonna speak for what anyone else would say and mm-hmm. if we're hanging out at the club one night and you're just popping off some rap lyrics like I'm not gonna stop anything that happens bro you know so <laughs> cause that uh, was that uh, old boy we was talking about yesterday Nay? um country singer oh yeah oh Wally Wallen or something what's uh, his, his name Waylon Morgan Waylon yeah. Do, 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 Waylon do, do, Morgan, do, do, do. one of the two. <laughs> Clown. Man, so, hey. Legally, we have the right to fuck you up. <laughs> so, I mean, that can be considered assault in a lot of cases. Um, and that's actually, I could, go, I could go on so many weird, dumb tangents. I'm sorry, I won't do it. But, yeah, but um, I, I mean, we, I'm sure we got, we, I think we can match stories. I think all of us can match stories. Yeah, no, I know. And then we may have to play some music after all of it, just just to like bring us back. Bring us back down. To decompress. Yeah, but then we can't do it on the podcast, so then we would, you know, get de- demonetized in our episode, we get canceled. But, um, <laughs> ensued, probably. Which would go with the trend that we're trying to go for. No, no, no. no. You're getting sued alone. Alone. (laughs) All right. With that being said, you know, this is Love Yours, the podcast. The podcast that promotes black mental health. Black mental wealth. And black mental stability. And they will forever be out of reach until you. Love Yours. As always, I want to thank you guys for uh, listening. We encourage you guys to like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review. Share us, share us, share us, share us with your family, friends. Um, get our listens or get our listenings or streamings. That's the word I'm looking for. Get our streams up. We're, we're trying to do that. Um, you can listen to us on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you would like to follow the podcast on IG, you can follow it at Follow us at loveyours underscore podcast, and you can follow us on Twitter at loveyours underscore pod. Um, if you would like to follow me, your girl, Vanessa Denae, you can follow me at Denae underscore Vanessa. That's D-A-N-E-E underscore V-A-H-N-E-S-S-A. Yo, it's your boy, Swoosh Knight. Swoosh underscore K-N-I-G-H-T. Holla at your boy. That was so extra. And of course, big thanks to our guest, Albert. Albert. Where can they find you at? Yo, folks out there, uh, this is DJ Albert Jenkins, 
or just Albert Jenkins. Um, tune in at um, Instagram at DJ Albert Jenkins or Twitter at DJ Albert Jenkins. There you go. With that being said, you guys got the music. Stay tuned. Nay will be dropping out the um, the music playlist of this month because it's what the people need what they need so you can continue celebrating black history 365 all the days all the days days. because black history month is february every day a matter of fact i think we're gonna colonize march and april you know what and may whole calendar run it run it through whole calendar why not (laughs) It's every month now. Every month, every day. Because, I mean, if they're going to try and stop us, then we can start a real, true White History Month. <laughs> oh, you watched one. that video? Mm-hmm. That video I showed you? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, A true White History Month. Hmm. All right, don't go off on a tangent. But, yeah. Until then, stay tuned. We're going to keep rolling, guys. Much love, y'all. Thanks for having me. Bye. Love yours, the podcast, the podcast.